You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on a Friday Eve edition. And no, your ears don't deceive you. Matt Miguez isn't in the house. It's Blaine Viator today, guest hosting, but I still got my main man, Mr. Mesh, behind the glass. Hang out with us today, and we have a fun show and tap for you. We're going to have Jim Gazzolo of the American Press join us at 4.30 from Lake Chuck. Going to talk some things about the McNeese Cowboys. And then Matt McCullough, head coach of the Acadiana High Wrecking Rams, who will be on our family of networks this year on Friday nights. He's going to join us, and we're going to talk a little Wrecking Rams football as we head into football season. It's getting so so close, James. I'm getting super fired up about that. We're less than a week away from SEC Media Days, and you know we got you covered on that end, too. It's just so much excitement in the air. So we have a lot of fun in store for you today. We also have a great poll question to get you guys involved early and often. Where do you think Sean Payton's going to coach next? Cowboys? Dolphins? Chargers? Or other? You head over to the Twitter page at the Game Louisiana, and you could answer that for us and get in on the action. A lot of lot of speculation going on over there. Where is Sean Payton going to end up? A lot of Saints fans are kind of up in arms, you know. Oh, he's leaving to go coach somewhere. Who cares? Came over here, he did his job, won a Super Bowl over a decade ago. Now it's it's time for him to move on. I think it's ran his course. Now let's see what we can get for Sean Payton going to another squad. You know, that that's kind of the, the, the way to look at it, if you will, you know, is he going to go somewhere where the Saints could get rewarded? Is he going to go somewhere where they could get multiple draft picks? Maybe, you know, a player or two? That's to be determined. So head on over to the game, Louisiana, over there on the Twitter machine and get your votes in. And, of course, we, you know, we count down to training camp, too. We'll get in on that action. Today's only 12 days till camp kicks off for the New Orleans Saints. And we want to know who's going to be starting at left tackle when training camp is all over with and we head into the season, I think we got a pretty good idea on that front, but we'd love to get your take in on that. And, of course, you could call us up on the game hotline at 337-706-0111 and join in on this Friday Eve fun. James, let's bring you in real quick. I know you were fired up when I got in here, wanted to talk about the poll question, about how you saw, you know, this kind of leaning and where you think Sean Payton should go and how you actually feel about the topic and the situation. Where do you lean right now? Where do you think he ends up? And are you really upset with Sean? I'm not upset with Sean at all. How could I be upset with somebody that gave my favorite franchise in sports its lone championship? How could I be mad at that? I'm not mad that he's leaving. I understand. You've been doing it for 15 years. You've coached this team for 15 years. And, like... I understand you want to leave. You don't owe the Saints or any of the fans anything. You've already done your due diligence, in my opinion. And sometimes it's just time for to, to move on and do something different, especially for the team. You know, like they need a, maybe a little bit more renewed energy, different life into the organization. So I agree with you. I, I, I think uh, it's time. But in your opinion, where would you like to see him end up next or where do you feel he's going to end up next? And what, what do you think the Saints are going to get back in return? My feeling and my preference are both going to L.A. 
I'd like to see Sean go coach the Chargers. I don't necessarily believe in their coach right now. It feels like he had a lot of trouble with situational football, play calling, calling timeouts at certain points. Like It just felt off. Every time he went for a fourth down, it felt like they never got it unless Justin Herbert just became Superman and just willed them to another first down. Not to mention Justin Herbert himself. I love I love Jay Herb. Oh yeah, I mean I a, love Herbie fully loaded. So super super talent. The the one thing that really makes me nervous for for Sean Payton in that regards going to a place like L.A. is those bright lights. We we know Sean could get distracted from time to time. Is that something that happens to him? You know, goes over there, gets involved in a little extracurricular. That'll be interesting to see if Sean could indeed handle all the distractions that come from you know being in LA and having to deal with the media having to deal with all the other celebrities there you know I, hey Sean's a guy who likes to party likes to have a good time it it'll be interesting to see how he you know how he would do in that type of atmosphere kind of same thing in Miami too though you know tied to the the Dolphins job not long ago um you know with a young Tua uh, hey some people feel that the, the Dolphins organization's almost kind of huh, on two already so um I I don't know I, I kind of feel like the Cowboys might make the most sense up until this point um Martin Martin, Martin wants to jump in and play along with us Martin how goes it on this Thursday afternoon bud Ah, not too bad for a Cowboys fan man <laughs> but uh <laughs> I figured you would be calling uh, today. <laughs> nah, nah. I will always love Mesh's orange shoes. I think them things that, uh, 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 how them kids say it this, these days, on fleek. Yeah, I think they on fleek, man. Now, Miguez, he shares a different, a different opinion. All Mesh is doing is trying to support his favorite baseball team, the Houston Astros. I mean, what's so wrong about that? I you know? got you. I got it, man. I got it. So, what you feel but about Sean Payton and your Cowboys? I got to correct James Mesh on something. Sean Payton, as much as Saints fans want to deny the fact, he is going to the Dallas Cowboys within the next two years. Okay? And there ain't nothing that, that Saints fans can do about it. You want to get mad at the guy? Well, he came from Dallas. He's just going home. That's all he's doing. Like all, like I say, all, every, all the time, he's going to the. Uh, I'm willing to bet one million dollars that he's going to end up with the, with the Dallas Cowboys. That's how certain I am. I mean, he's from Dallas. I mean, when Dallas didn't call, when Dallas didn't give him the head coaching job, he did the second best thing and went to the New Orleans Saints, won a Super Bowl over there. So, uh, but I got my buddy Paul that calls the show. He's, he's, he's not even going to mention Sean Payton's name because he said he he uh, quit on the New Orleans. man didn't quit. He got smart. He left because they ain't got – now, I'm going to be 100% honest. I was nice this morning on, on footnotes, and I, everybody likes to hate on Jameis Winston and everything, and Foot, Foot's question was why are there still people out there that's not 100% sold on Jameis Winston? I said the whole what it all boils down to is they they were spoiled for ten plus years with with Drew Brees. Drew Brees ain't walking in that locker room ever again. That that was a uh, that was just a once in a lifetime talent. I mean that, I mean, and I'm pretty sure, like I told Foot, that the same people that's that's being hard on Jameis Winston is the same ones that were being hard on Drew Brees because if you remember when he signed with. Uh, when he got traded to the New Orleans Saints, he had a bum shoulder. 
So I think James Winston is going to be a hell of a quarterback, and this is coming from a diehard cow. I think he's going to be a hell of a quarterback. I mean, look what the dude did in Tampa Bay with, with I mean, they had Mike Evans. Uh, I mean, maybe a select. I agree few with you, other wide Look, you know, when, I think when Drew Brees came here, it, it, it was the perfect storm, right? Sean Payton coming in, <laughs> you know, he, he's coming off of the shoulder injury. You were able to get him on the cheap. Um, and, and then he, he comes in and just changes the entire course of the franchise. So that that's not going to happen, right? That that was a storybook type of situation. But in, in your opinion, I agree with you. I, I thought Winston was I mean, pretty damn good at the beginning of last year. But what I, like I said on footnote morning, what the Saints got in Jameis Winston and – a lot of things don't. Man, look at all he's done since he signed with the New Orleans Saints. He's had, he knew he had a bad eyesight. He got to eye surgery. He knew he had a big ego, okay? They keep comparing to Jameis Winston to the Jameis Winston that was at Florida State. The man has humbled himself. He's worked on his attitude. And I think he's another diamond in the rough that the Saints got. God, and this is, like I said, this is coming from a diehard Cowboys fan. Now you surrounded him with weapons. Watch what that man's going to do. I'm predicting 4,500 yards this year from Jameis Winston. I, I'm going to go out on the limb. I say at least 4,500 yards this year, uh, this uh, this season passing. I, I think I mean, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. The guy has weapons now at his disposal. He'll be able to throw the football down the field, something the Saints haven't been able to do in recent years. He'll be able to get the football out in the perimeter to you know, like guys like Camaro to make plays. I think this offense sets up very well for him. You know, As you remember, when he was over there with, with Tampa and he threw all the interceptions, you, you, know, you, you threw out guys like Mike Evans, but he didn't have the receiving core that was very deep. He didn't have a good offensive line. Hell, he was just trying to make plays when he was there. It's a much more mature version of Jameis Winston in New Orleans. Correct me if I'm wrong. When he was there, Evans was hurt a lot. So he really didn't have. You know, Mike Evans was getting hurt a lot. So he really didn't have targets to throw to. You know, I mean, the man's humble. He he accepted, you know, a below. You know, he said, basically, basically what he's saying is, I want to earn my, my contract. You know, he could have went this past off season. He could have went anywhere. He could have went anywhere. No, he didn't go nowhere. He stayed with the New Orleans Saints. He, that should have been a big plus to New Orleans Saints fans. You know, I mean, he was, I'm sure he got a few better offers than what he's getting paid at in New Orleans. But the man stayed it out. He said, I want to win a Super Bowl for this, for this, for this team. And, I mean, they need to put the, the Drew Brees stuff to rest. They need to put the Sean Payton stuff to rest. And I, I think the Saints are going to be just fine. I mean, what would you rather? Just like I said this morning, what would you rather? Uh, Jameis Winston or, I mean, who else would you want? You want Baker Mayfield? You want Marcus Mariota? I mean, what do you <laughs> no, want? Yeah, I, I couldn't I agree more. I couldn't agree more, Martin. I appreciate the call, my friend. Look, I, when a Dallas Cowboys fan's calling in and he's, you know, He's proven the point for you guys. He's lobbying for the Saints quarterback in Jameis Winston, and he couldn't be more right. I think he's he's definitely right. I think he's poised for a big year. I think he was having a fine year last year before the injury. I think he's going to give the Saints something that they haven't had in a long time. You know, deep threat down the field. I, I think that could come into play very well for the Saints. And look, hey, Sean Payton going over there. I, I think that would uh, uh be good for you as well. Let, let's head back out to the hotline and bring on Ralph. Ralph, how are you this Thursday afternoon? 
Good, good, man. Uh, hey, look, uh, <laughs> hate to disagree with Martin, but uh, no way Sean Payton goes to Dallas right now. Uh, I love Sean Payton, but the man has a big ego, okay? Um, there, he, he would. He wants to be GM and coach and offensive coordinator. And with Jerry Jones, he will not have the autonomy to be the uh, general manager. So I, I think, um, I think honestly, San Diego makes makes the most sense because his daughter's out there in LA. Um, the weather's perfect. He loves to play golf. I mean, you know, it, 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 he has a good young quarterback to groom. I, I just think that that makes the most sense to me. And I'm with you, man. Look, I think he's under contract what for one more year with the Saints. Correct. All right, so you get what you can for him, okay? I I know people are, you know, wanting multiple first rounds, uh, uh, whatever, whatever. But after next year, you don't get anything. So, so you know. After the 2023 season. You, I think he's in contract under, until after 2023. So, I, I, yes, after this okay. year, you've you got to get what you can. But I, I think the market's going to be out there for him, too. Oh no, no doubt. I think I think it's uh, it's very comp- very hot and competitive, and um, and it could get even better uh, depending on how things go. You know, in the first part of the season. So um, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. But um, uh, I, look, I'm, I'm just I'm at the point right now. I mean, we have to move on. We have a new coach, new quarterback. I mean, I, I love what what we finally accomplished. You know, in the in the Peyton Breeze era. But I mean, it's it's time to move on and, and like I said, get, get what you can. Let's, uh, let's go forward. Uh, but I, I do think of those options that the, uh, the Chargers, I think, would be the ideal situation for him at this point. My main man behind the glass just corrected both of us. He's under contract until 2024. So that gives you a little okay, bit more well leverage, that, right? That gives well you a little more. Now I want multiple picks. <laughs> <laughs> I want multiple picks. Uh, first, I mean this year and next year. Okay, so so that's all. Un- oh, okay, I'm I'm sorry. I thought back up the Briggs truck. Huh? We got to get what we can for. And look, I, I think I, I do think the, the the Rams make a lot of sense. You know, being you know what they have already in. Uh, excuse me, the Chargers what they already have Chargers, in place yeah. with with, uh, with with Herbert and I. I think that spotlight would not be the best for Sean though. Sean likes that glamour a little too much. But again, you hit the nail on the head when you said. The big ego that'll stroke his ego just fine. Oh no, I mean he he definitely uh, that that I think I think he would thrive in that in that environment. You know, actually um, uh, to be you know I, I don't think you know he's he's settled down. He's remarried. He's not going to be out you know chasing like he was before. <laughs> uh, so so I think I think he'll just and his you know like I said his daughter's a, a, a pretty pretty big thing in, in Los Angeles as a sports reporter now and I, I follow them on Twitter and he does a lot of back and forth stuff with her so I think just being closer to, to her would be a good thing for him also and and um, hey look man like I said I, I love Sean I mean I, I I always will appreciate what he did um, as much credit as goes to Mickey Loomis and, and Jeff Ireland I promise you every draft pick the Saints ever made had to go through Sean Payton. There's no doubt in my mind. So um, I wish him all the best. But like I said, as a diehard Saints fan, get what we can get, um, and let's just not let the contract wither on the on the vine and not you know not get anything. So 
That's just my two cents, man. Appreciate the call, Ralph. Take care, my man. All right, bud. How about that? Two two calls in a row, James, where we talk about men maturing. <laughs> Jameis Winston maturing as a quarterback and Sean Payton maturing as a coach. And it, it'll be interesting to see how, how it all shakes up. Like like we kind of mentioned, hey, under contract through 2024, there's a lot of meat on the bone to go get for the Saints to see what you could get for them. So, I, look. Chargers aren't going to have that high draft pick. Let's see what they could kind of offer. I mean, the, the Saints hold a lot of cards in the situation too, but um, let's get something for them, right? Let, let's not get just nothing for them. Um, it, it'll just be interesting to, to see. But, hey, we're just speculating right now. We don't even know what openings we're going to have when it comes time for Sean Payton to go out and get hired. So, it, you know, there's a lot of speculation on both ends. And it, it's fun to, to play, you know, um, a guessing game right now and figure out who's it going to be. But the truth is going to have to wait and see what jobs are open when the time comes. But uh, you, you guys can get in on the action too. If you head over to the game, Louisiana Twitter page and dive in right now and get your votes in on, on this poll question. And it's gotten a good bit of run so far, but overall the Dallas Cowboys are, are, are smashing it right now. 64% of you guys in the KDN are saying that Sean Payton will be the Cowboys coach next uh, coach next, and then Dolphins and Chargers rack up 14% of the votes after that, and other comes in at 7%. Did you get your vote in already, James? I try not to vote on these. I don't want to, I don't want to influence anything. Not influencing the votes. I could appreciate that. But what we're going to have to do, we're going to have to take a quick time out, but don't go anywhere because when we come back, we have breaking news. Brian Kelly is a madman on the recruiting trail, and he just picked up another commitment not even 10 minutes ago. We're going to tell you all about it when we come back from break. Right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. I'm your guest host, Blaine Vietar, filling in today on this wonderful Friday Eve. People just can't get enough of the Sean Payton talk. Phone was ringing off the hooks during the break. We're going to head out really quick to the game hotline and bring on James, the caller James, not the producer. James, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Listen, man, I think, uh, you know, the, the hotline, the, the line was hot because you mentioned Sean Payton and, uh, and the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and, uh, I think I think some of those Dallas Cowboys fans are kind of salivating a little bit, you know. For all that talk, they you know they would talk about Sean Payton. They didn't they didn't want him as a head coach. They sure running now. <laughs> I think the uh, I think the the mind the minds have 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 come to a, a change. So I think they salivating a little bit. But uh, yeah, well, it'll be interesting as far as uh, as far as James Winston and the Saints. Man, I'm 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 eager just as everybody else is for the season to start be kinda of in the dead time. But just looking at all the weapons that they added and, and, and a lot of people could talk about uh point to the success that Jameis Winston had in Tampa Bay. Man, I'll point to the success that he had with the Saints offense last year in, in seven games. Uh 
you know, how quickly we forget, man, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. I mean, that that's a hell of a uh, touchdown-to-interception ratio. And this, just his efficiency within the offense. And you know what, James? Yeah, he Nobody wants to talk about that. They only want to talk about all the picks he threw in Tampa. So I, I think it's crazy how quick Saints fans forget the beginning of last season, how efficient he was, and how, really how masterfully he was running that offense. And to, be, and to be honest with you, I don't believe that it's a bunch of the Saints fans. I think a lot of the talk is coming from the national media. Uh, you know, they're pushing that out there. When they put their quarterback list together, you know, the Saints – uh, or, or even the teams, the teams list, and, and, and how successful they think that, that the team is going to be this year. I think it's coupled with Jameis Winston and and a new head coach. So, you know, they kind of setting the bar kind of low, uh, rather than putting them on on a high expectation list, which I think is fair for Dennis Allen. I, I think that you know that's actually fair for him coming in behind Sean Payton, where expectations from the national media isn't excessive. So when they do to have when they do start having success, you know, it'll bode well for them versus, you know, everybody's on the bandwagon and saying, hey, they're going to be a top five team or they're going to be, you know, a championship contender, which you have, you, I have heard some of the, uh, you know, some of the media guys actually refer to the team as, as being up there and being title contenders because other than, you know, Tampa Bay, uh, I don't really, maybe Dallas, you know, maybe Dallas, uh, but I think they maybe they maybe they take a step back a little bit, Dallas. I just think it's a lot to... of you know a lot of unknown and a lot of uh, uh, people's opinion with the new coach coming in. But I mean, he's been part of the system before. Look, Jameis is a veteran quarterback too. You know, he's going to command and control that locker room. Had some very key additions that would be great for the locker room as well. I, look, if I was Saints, Saints have high expectations in my eyes going into the season. Yeah, I think the Saints do. I think the Saints do. I mean, this is this is going to be his third year in the system. So, man, he he's going he's going to put up some great numbers. I mean, you just look at the numbers he put up last year with 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 less than stellar wide receiver performances, you know. And then you know, so I, I think it's going to be great, man. I can't wait. So, but I, I'll hang up and let somebody else get a call in. And thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it, James. You have a great afternoon. All right, you too. It just drives the people. That's what they want to hear. They want to hear about Sean Payton. They want to hear about the Cowboys. They want to hear about the Saints. They're ringing the phone off the hook over here. Real quick, though, I want to touch on it. We talked about it right before going to break. Brian Kelly remains on fire on the recruiting trail, bringing in Paul Mubinga, offensive guard from Buford, Georgia, 6'4", 280, and he's ranked as the 77th rated Offensive tackle on two four seven, but the offer list, the offer list is phenomenal. I mean, LSU, Michigan, Texas A and M, Penn State, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, West Virginia, all going after the Buford product and Paul Mubinga. And I, I remember LSU fans last time LSU went to Buford, Georgia, and went pick a player from there on the offensive line. How about Vital Alexander? That guy was a mainstay for the Tigers on the offensive line and a big time player. So Paul Mubinga joins this 2023 class for Brian Kelly, who remains on fire on the recruiting trail. James, are we still getting some action on the game hotline? No, it's gone cold at the moment. Okay. Okay, I saw you back there working. Y'all, y'all making my main man James work today. <laughs> working that phone line, wanting to get in to talk about Sean Payton and the Saints. 
But what about the run? You know, you and I talked about it off air right before we came on. The run that that Brian Kelly and, and this LSU coaching staff's on. You know, look, a couple weeks back, all the chicken little LSU fans were, were screaming, "Sky's falling!" This recruiting class can't can't recruit. Not keeping up. NIL, we can't do it. Since then, they turn the heat on and they bring in prospect after prospect after prospect. And this class now has turned into. Something pretty special. I mean, they, they went all the way from being, you know, outside of the top uh, 25 to firmly in the top 10. So Paul Mubinga joins in on the action for Brian Kelly in this recruiting class. And they still want to play. Let's head back out to the game hotline and bring on my guy, T. T, I was waiting for you, man. There you go, James. Well, my first question is, how's Big Gert? Hey, Big Gert is great. Big Gert's about nine months old, and Big Gert's about 90 pounds. So she she's doing great. I'm going to have to post some more pictures for you, T. She's getting big, yeah. man. Do that. Do that. She's so beautiful, man. Thank you, man. Okay. I'm enjoying her. Uh, on the uh, Sean Payton thing, I, I think he's going to Dallas. It makes sense. I don't know. But I called for LSU reasons, and you kind of stole my thunder when you announced uh, <laughs> the guys they just uh, that just committed. But my question is, what do you think about this recruiting class this year, twenty four, and everything? How, how you think we, uh, you know, we stack up, and uh, what you think about the season coming? I'm going to hang up and listen, my man. I appreciate it, T. I'll tell Big Gert you said hi for sure. Look, I think the hey, recruiting. do that. You I will, better. man. <laughs> I will, buddy. I, I think the run that they're on right now recruiting is something that we haven't seen in quite some time. And the interesting part is they're going all over the country and grabbing guys. And they're grabbing guys at position of need. I mean, these edge guys that they went out and got over the last few weeks. I mean, Jackson Howard out of Minnesota. I mean, that guy is a freak. 6'4", 245. I mean, that, that guy, you they, they don't grow guys on trees like that. You know, he's a top 100 guy in the country. Then they went out the next week and grabbed uh, Deshaun Womack. He's from a school, uh, St. Francis Academy, that LSU grabbed Jordan Tolls, a, a safety a few years ago. And, and they go back in again uh, right outside the Baltimore, Maryland area and, and able to grab a kid like that. So the national level, I know people were screaming, look, when Manning went to Texas and Derek Williams followed him, people were on Brian Kelly's behind. What's going on? How are we letting these guys leave the state? But that doesn't really matter in this day and age, right? I, I think recruiting such more of a national brand now. Do you want those guys to leave the state? Of course not. I mean, Derek Williams is right up the road, and he is a freak of an athlete at the safety spot. But at the end of the day, you can go and get kids, you know, wherever you need. So I'm very, very impressed about what he's doing in this class, in the 2024 class, too. JoJo Stone committed two days ago out of the state of Georgia. Talk about electrifying with the football in his hands. So a lot to love about the Tigers. And I'm going to save a little bit about on-field LSU for a little bit later in the show, T. We'll touch back on that uh, when we talk about the schedule. James and I want to dissect that a little bit in hour number two. Whew. Before we do that, though, James, let's go ahead and take a break because when we come back, we're going to have to go to Lake Chuck and bring on our guy Jim Gazzolo, where we're going to talk some McNeese State Cowboys, new schedule, how the team's looking, and all that jazz right here on 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right back in with crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. I'm Blaine Vietar, guest hosting this afternoon on this wonderful Friday Eve. Wonderful right here in the game studio. It's a little bit wet outside, so we'll we'll keep inside and, and enjoying this nice climate. But we'll bring in our guy, from Lake Chuck, Jim Gazzolo of the American Press to talk some Mackney State Cowboys. Jim, how are you on this Friday Eve? Uh, doing fine. How are you guys doing? Can't complain, my man. Can't complain. Let's talk a little bit about Magnesis' new schedule. I know that's a hot topic. It's been around here. Um, a lot of folks kind of – is it as big of a deal that Northwestern State's not on the schedule anymore? Not here. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not – I mean, it's it's not a it's a rivalry more there than here. It's more important here that Lamar is back on the schedule. That makes sense, though, geographically. I mean, you know, well, geographically, they play for the Battle of the Border. It's always been the traditional game they ended the season with. Um, It's just the fans are more into that game. uh, Northwestern State's rivalry game was. Uh, Stephen F. Austin. So non-issue. I, I like it. I like it. I, I think that makes way more sense. I I, I also uh, noticed that they're going to play a lot of their games now in prime time. They're going to move the time back and play night games. That's is, a bigger deal. Is that a big deal? Is that getting the fan base that pretty jazzed in Lake Charles? Uh, what you have now is that's the traditional start time. They're, they they went to a six o'clock at one point, and then of course during the hurricanes and no light, they had to go to noon start times. That didn't work at all. Nothing like a noon game where seventeen, eighteen fans a half would be getting IVs at, at halftime just to survive. So this is better. I like it. I like it. So just uh, you know, last year didn't kind of live up to the expectations. Uh, four and seven overall, just kind of a disappointing season, but. Is there more excitement surrounding this team going into the 2022 year? There is more talent on this campus in all sports than there has been in the 13 years I've been here. Uh, They have three FBS transfer quarterbacks on the roster. Last year, they didn't have three quarterbacks on the roster. So there's talent here. That's going to take some time to mesh. Sometimes that happen with the new coach. But there's renewed interest. This is the first coaching staff in probably eight years that they weren't looking for their next job right out of the bat. Speaking of quarterbacks going into the to, to camp, who who do you feel has the edge right now on taking that first snap when, when the lights come on in in September? I I think it's up in the air. I, I wouldn't veg, I would guess that there's three of them. Um, I would think that the winner basically would come out of one or two, but I would I would venture to guess which one's ahead right now going in. Give me two weeks of camp, and I think we'll know. Um, but right now, it's you have you have an influx of seventeen um, transfer portal guys. 
that have upgraded four at wide receiver, two at running back, two at linebacker, a whole new secondary, and like I said, three quarterbacks from anywhere from Kentucky, Virginia Tech, Georgia Southern. So there's just this group of talented players that we've never had here, especially the last. I mean, there was there were times last year when true walk-ons freshmen were starting on the offensive line because everybody left after the hurricane. Joining us right now is Jim Gazzolo, the Mackney's beat writer, and we're talking all things Cowboys. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, though, when you talked about um, coaching staff looking for jobs. It, you know, this coaching staff's a little more, uh, you know, they're, they're here. They, they're here for the, the yeah. job at hand. Um, does, does that make a difference to the fan base? Does the fan base feel that? Does that give them a little bit, you know, a rejuvenated spirit going into to a year like this after being down? Yeah, I think there's an accountability and they see the difference. Here's the biggest difference. And I talked to the president uh, just the other day, Dr. Daryl Bukel, who played football at McNeese. And he said the biggest difference that he did is all the other core, all the, the last three previous coaches were guys who had experience or were high coordinators or a head coach at an FBS level job. And they were coming down and they would complain about what they didn't have. What they got with Gary Goff from Valdesta State is a guy coming up from Division Two, So this is the promised land to him. He, he, he sees this as, look at what I've got that I didn't have before. So that's the whole different attitude is we're going to talk about what we have, not what we don't have. And what kind of, you know, looking at that and bringing them in and, you know, that, that creates excitement. But what are realistic expectations, though, for, for this year? Um, six and five. <laughs> I mean, you got to be realistic on this is brand-new offense. Uh, I think they'll score more. The offense was terrible last year. I think they'll score more. I think they'll be more exciting. Um, but they're still a very young offensive line. There's still a bunch of guys that have, have never gone through his offense that have to learn it. Um, it's, a, it's a very much a give-and-take offense. What I mean by that is, you have to do the reads, and if the defense is playing one way, everybody's got to be on the same page for the other. So it's an attack one, but they'll take what the defense gives them. So that takes a lot of coordination. And I think it's the, and they open and they open up with the number two team in the country in Montana State. And, I, and I'll say this: I'll say this about all the people from Northwestern State that are upset about he's not playing them. Both teams are in Montana for the first week of the season. If Northwestern State wants to give $250,000 to Big East so they don't have to travel to Montana State, which is what they're getting from Montana State, I think McNeese would happily drive up to play them in the opener. <laughs> they want to buy out of those games. Much easier drive taking I-49 up to Natchitoches than going all yeah. the way up to Montana. I'd agree with you. So you, you talk about a give-and-take offense and you really, you know, a lot of, a lot of reads. Uh, you talking more of a running style or it's going to be kind of a pass-happy a pass happy it, read system? He would prefer to pass. Um, but it, it should be noted that Valdez State, he had, including his quarterback, he had 2,000-yard rushers. So they will run the football. If you're if you're going to play eight in the box, they're going to throw. If you're going to play six defensive backs, they're going to run. And that's just the way he kind of reacts to it. Um, very quarterback centered offense. So that's why that is an important important decision that we made. Um, he I think he liked what he saw in spring football, 
but that he was still there wasn't the guy that he can trust with the offense yet. I think he may have found that. Um, but he's he's pretty much downplaying everything until he sees them actually on the field together. Now let's turn our attention to the defensive side of the football. Uh, what can we expect from the Cowboys there? Uh, they got five five uh, preseason all conference players. They were the number one defense in the league last year, but they did lose a lot, especially their secondary. Um, they lost three uh, all conference secondary players. But I, I think there's a lot of they get it, they got a transfer from uh, University of Houston coming in to play linebacker. They've got a defensive lineman from South Carolina. Didn't play a lot of South Carolina, but he's got big SEC size. Uh, Mason Kinsley was the number two defensive pass rusher in the league to their own Isaiah Chambers. So they have it. They have the basis. A lot of it will be dictated on what their secondary can and can't do, um, because that's the new pieces of the puzzle. If they can, if they can guard people. And if they can, I think they'll shut down the run. But that's going to be it. Can they guard people? And and nobody knows with this league because there are transfer portal people everywhere in this league. Lindsey Scott's on his third team in the league. <laughs> I mean, we have no idea. Man, that name brings up some some memories. Uh, so speaking of transfer portal, you know everybody wants to talk about how it's affecting the the college game really at the at the top level and the, the high level guys. What about? You know, at a level like Magnese, you're talking about all these guys transferring in. Is that just going to be the norm now? Is it going to be more normal and in a better situation to go and get these more established guys out of the portal versus signing high school kids? Yeah, I think what we're seeing at Magnese, especially basketball and football, uh, what we're really seeing is a bunch of kids that were promised things at the higher level and didn't get it and are coming here to kind of reestablish themselves. Uh, I think there will be a lot of kids that will leave after one year. It will be a training. There's no question this will be a training ground for kids, almost a junior college for FBS kids uh, as they move on. Um, but I think there, that there will be a, a lot of almost revolving door type. You'll have X number of kids come in, X number of kids leave based on how they play at the other levels. And kids will be looking for their opportunities at the higher levels. Kids will be looking to kind of reestablish themselves that didn't get playing time at the higher levels coming down. Appreciate it. It'll the be t- different every year, man. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I, look, I appreciate the time, Jim. I, I'm looking forward to talking to you at the end of the year, six and five. I'm a little more optimistic in the Cowboys. I think they can do a little bit better than that. We'll we'll chat after the year and see who's right. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> Have a good one, Jim. All right. Thanks. Jim Gazzolo joining us right just joined us from the American Press over in Lake Charles and we talked everything McNeese football right there and he broke it down for you. One thing I want to do before we head to the break though is remind you SEC Media Days they start on the 18th right around the corner and 1037 of the game they're packing the bags and they're going to Hotlanta. They're going to be over at the College Football Hall of Fame, and we're going to have live shows from RP3 and Company and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh live from the Football Hall of Fame. Also going to get some call-ins on footnotes as well as the Jordy Holberg show with some updates from the SEC Media Days. It's going to be a ton of fun and a lot of information you come in your way. And, of course, that's all presented to you by Bordelon Furniture, so don't go anywhere. James. 1037 the game has you covered no matter what, right? You pretty much. Going way to Atlanta to cover that. Man, you, you didn't draw the assignment though, right? 
We're, we're going to go ahead and send Matt. Yeah, yeah. We'll send Matt instead of James. Make him the guinea pig. <laughs> of course. Well, he have to. He'll probably have to hang out with RP three. So, I, are, are you? You rather that, or you rather hang out with RP three? I mean, shoot, hanging out with RP three is pretty fun. All right, I usually have a good time. With I was going to say you well. can get into some shenanigans <laughs> with him. He usually makes me laugh. Uh, I was having a good time right here on this Thursday afternoon. So we're going to take a quick break, but we still got a ton of fun to get into. We're going to talk a little LSU recruiting, Astros baseball. Hell, we haven't even got into the British Open yet. So don't go anywhere, and we're going to be back with more action right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Right back in on 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station for Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in, and we've been having a whole lot of fun so far. You guys have been getting involved a ton as well. We've been playing with the topic of Sean Payton, where he ends up next, a lot of Dallas Cowboy talk, a lot of Jameis Winston talk. Brings up all kind of chatter when you bring up Sean Payton and the Dallas Cowboys, and you guys seem to enjoy that. We also talked about counting down the days until camp starts. And we're at only 12 days until training camp begins. And today's topic is who will be the starting left tackle in the Saints lineup? So we'd like to hear from you on that as well. Phone lines are open if you want to jump in and play. 337-706-0111 is the number. We could talk Whatever you please. Like I said, a lot of people have been talking Saints-related, but we do want to talk about the Houston Astros that you know you can listen to right here on 103.7 The Game. I, I, last night, it, look, they ran into a buzzsaw. Shotani was dynamite, striking out 12 Astros in just six innings. I, what he's doing is no short of amazing. He's been on fire and, you know, he won his last six starts. He's been striking out guys at a high clip. Uh, Shohei Otani is quickly, quickly, quickly asserting himself back into the MVP consideration. I, I know a lot of people in the national media have ran away with Aaron Judge for MVP. Yardon Alvarez has a little something to say with that. But Shohei, not only is he crushing the ball, hitting in a triple and driving in two yesterday, but striking out 12 through six yesterday against the Houston Astros. Now, granted, Houston Astros lineup last night, probably not um, the best lineup that you would see Dusty Baker put out. Of course, Michael Brantley still on the IL, Yarn Alvarez still on the IL, and, and Christian Javier was pretty good for, for, for you know, what, what he gave the Strohs last night. I, I know um, not quite up to his normal par. He did give up uh, a few runs in, the, in that start, but he was able to uh, mow down batters by his own admission as well. Um, I, I think the Astros are, are going to be much better when, when Chaz McCormick's not batting second. You're able to drop guys like Kyle Tucker a, a little bit, raise Bregman back up to three, let Yardon hit four, third or fourth. This lineup's just a little bit different. I mean, Jake Myers is not um, giving you all that much. Um, at center field either. And, and look, Martin Maldonado is is still just, I mean, he was two for two last night, but let, let's be real. The guy's batting 165. 
So I, I think the Astros still have some tinkering to do with this lineup, and that's all why Yuli Gurriel, uh, uh, La, La Pena, has you know last year's batting champion, ha- has not given you much either. With all that being said, you you would think the Astros are are struggling, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> Even though last night's loss, they are still fifty-seven and thirty on the year and running away with the American League West. You're talking about an Astros team that's, uh, you know, 11 games in front of Seattle right now. Seattle's hot. Seattle's playing really, really good. But, look, the Astros are still seven out of their last ten. Even with the injuries, no Yardon, no Michael Brantley. They want to get to this all-star break. They're hoping guys like Brantley and Yardon Alvarez will be back for the Yankees series doubleheader next Thursday coming out of the all-star break. That's when they think this lineup will get back to normal. But those Seattle Mariners, I, I know Hannah Five Names, that's her squad. When you listen to the morning shows over here on 103.7, uh, the game, 10 in a row for Seattle. 10 in a row. They, they've been awfully, awfully good. Good. So, Stroh's tonight, though, they're going to look to turn their fortune from, you know, a night ago. They, they're going to play uh, 707 first pitch. You can hear that right here on 103.7, the game. The Astros are going to uh, hope to bounce back. I, I mean, they, you know, again, struggling a little bit with the lineup and the injuries. Not going to make the excuses, but, but still struggling. But they get to bring out Framber Valdez. And all-star Framber, too, as well. Framber got uh, the nod to make the all-star team. He's 8-4 in the season with a 264 ERA. So I think the Astros look to bounce back tonight. The, the Angels have been horrible, horrible, horrible. So uh, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the Astros go. They don't want to limp into the break, but they're plenty, plenty good enough. Whew. Hour number one went by so fast and was so much fun. But we still got a second hour to go, so make sure you stick with us for a ton of fun. Matt McCullough, Acadiana High Coach, is going to join us at 4.30, uh, excuse me, 5.30 to talk a little high school football as well. So stick here as we head to the second hour right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right back in for hour number two of two. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in today on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. And we've been having a lot of fun so far today. And we're having a lot of fun with you guys getting involved, calling up on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. The main thing we've been talking about is where do you think Sean Payton will coach next? And I'll give you a brief rundown of the where we are on, on those Twitter poll results. Right now, the Cowboys sitting first with 60%, Dolphins at 20%, and the Chargers. What's funny is we had two callers come in including Mr. James Mesh as well, both said that they feel like the Chargers was the landing spot, 13% for the Chargers, and another 7% down below for other. We also wanted to talk about counting down until training camp, only 12 days left until training camp begins, and who will the starting left tackle and the Saints lineup be? 
I'm going to give you my two cents, then I'll let James kind of piggyback on what he thinks. I, I think Trevor Penning is, is keyed in. I, I think he's going to be the left tackle week one for the Saints. They went out and drafted him. They feel like he's the guy. They went out and get their dude. He's going to start from the, from the beginning, right there, week one, starting left tackle, Trevor Penning. I know some people are going to say James Hurst. I, I respect that. James and I talked off air before we came on, and I, I think he's going to be the swing guy. He's going to be ro- rotational. He could play any one of those five positions along that offensive front. But if you ask me today who the starting left tackle is going to be, I am taking Trevor Penning. What say you, James? I agree. I also think it'll be Trevor Penning. I mean, you don't draft him with the 18th overall pick in the draft if you don't expect him to make it. I understand James Hurst. He's had a lot of experience at both left and right tackle. But it seems like he has a really good fit as a swing, and you bring him out as that extra offensive lineman, kind of have him be a tight end as an eligible receiver, but really he's out there to block and give that extra protection. But what's interesting, it's pretty much an open competition for the whole O-line. We we believe Eric McCoy is going to be center. We believe Ryan Ramchek is going to be right tackle. As much as we don't like Pondwater and Andres Pete. I think he'll still be left guard. I think it's pretty secure there. He's he's done enough, and we pay him enough for him to still start. And then if Trevor Penning goes there, what's left? Right guard. That's, in my opinion, the biggest question. Because we've had Cesar Ruiz since 2020. It hasn't really looked all that good. And James Hurst, even though he plays tackle and he's built like a tackle, he's a lot taller and he's stronger... I would say you can move him as a guard and have him have the competition with on with Cesar Ruiz and whoever wins there, that's your starting right guard. And it helps because you can also move Cesar Ruiz in between guard and center because his natural position is center. Yeah, look, they got a lot of options. The, the beauty about the offensive line is something that you keep talking about is the flexibility that they have with a bunch of these guys. They could play multiple different positions. They could jump in and play guard, interior, or exterior. They, they could do either one. Um, I think that is a luxury to have, especially in today's day and age and the way the game's played. Look, guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to get banged up. It's a long season. Um, you, you need guys that can play multiple positions to spell people, too. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different ball game. The way these offensive plays is so fast and so quick, I think that's just a luxury that they're able to have. It. And, you know, people aren't just penciled into one position anymore, and the Saints have done a good job of that. And um, I, I just think going in to camp, uh, boring injury, I, I think Trevor Penning is going to get the start for the Saints week one at left tackle, and I don't really think it's that close. I, I think he's going to run away with the position. You mentioned you don't go out and draft a guy like that. You know, you don't go out and draft somebody in the first round. It, it seems like they had him penciled. They knew they wanted him. They went and got their guy, and he's going to start for him on week one. I completely agree. I mean, there is some development you need to do with him. Because we have seen a, a little bit of a tendency. I have seen a couple of videos where he is a little overly aggressive. And there and there was a couple times where he's so aggressive and he throws down the edge rusher, but he throws him pretty much at the feet of the QB, <laughs> which is a little concerning because you don't want Jameis's legs to be taken out and now his his Achilles is torn or he breaks his ankle because he got the defender got thrown into Jameis. I think they'll coach him out of it. Or at least a little bit to where it's like, look, if you're going to throw him, don't throw him in that direction. Throw him to the side or out the way. 
there's some maturing to do, right? Just like yeah. we talked about with Jameis Winston and Sean Payton. I, look, they're going to coach him out, right? These NFL coaches are really good at doing that. The technique's going to be there. He has, you know, he's he's gifted with great physical attributes. I, I just think that um, you, you might take a little bit of growing pains, but those growing pains are, are going to quickly develop. Uh, it, it feels like guys are, are coming into the league nowadays just so much more advanced with the quality of football that's being played at the college level that they're ready to rock and roll once they get to the league. And with, with a guy like Penning, I, I think he's going to be just fine at the position. You know, f- physically, it's not going to be an issue. It's going to be him, like you mentioned, though, being a little over aggressive, kind of calming down a bit and growing into that position. He'll be just just a okay when it comes to that. And um, I, I think the Saints' offense, I think the offensive line at the end of the day is going to be looked at as a plus for for this offense. So I, I think getting that that book in that that left tackle um, solidified during camp is going to be big for for this offense as they move forward. Um, Moving back to to the poll question, I, I want to get you know a little bit more Sean Payton talk in because that seems to be what everybody wants. What do you think is the max you know return when, when it comes to, to Sean Payton? You know what, what can you ask for? I think if he does come back in twenty twenty three, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to ask for two firsts. Two firsts. Ooh. I don't. And and if even if that's a little steep, I mean first and a second because if you're going to get them for at least the next two years and you're going to sign them to a contract extension because why wouldn't you he's a top five coach and you get a year off it's kind of like Gronk you get a year off and he's reset and he's a top five again I mean are you not going to pay premium dollar for a top five asset in for a football team whether it's a coach or a player no look Sean Payton's a great coach Phenomenal, right? He always had to say, look, even when Breeze was banged up and you know he couldn't throw the football down the field, they found ways to win football games. That's what he did. He's an excellent talent evaluator. Like you, like you mentioned, hey, look, Mickey Loomis might be the GM in name, but you know there's no decisions that make that, that are made on draft night without you know Sean Payton signing off on it. So I, I think he's a he's definitely a luxury. He's a top five asset, as you called him. Um, a first and a second round pick would be. Whew, Man, I, I just uh, there's not really a standard set, right? You know, usually when you talk about position players, that there's a standard set. Okay, this guy fetches this in the open market. This guy is worth this many draft picks or this this type of caliber of player. When it comes to coaching, we don't really see that. There's not a market already set. So Sean Sean Payton could be the pioneer here, setting the market for himself. I agree. And w- would you say that Sean Payton, just him coaching alone? is the decision or can decide three or four games. Like he, he could pretty much add three wins by himself to the football, the football equivalent to war in baseball Um, (laughs) wins above replacement. You know? Yeah. I I think, uh, you know, three to four swing games. I I think that's a fair, a fair statement. I mean, anything more than that though, you know, you got to have talent, things need to come together, but put guys in place, you know, he, he's, he has a knack for that for sure. Because it's the same thing with a kicker. I mean, if you can make if the kicker makes the extra points and makes the field goals ninety percent of the time, if you have a good kicker, you're gonna win a couple of extra games because they can hit the 55, 60 yarder as a game winning field goal. You, you think kickers are worth four wins? If it's Justin Tucker, I believe he, Justin he is Tucker's that he's that fourth. Four wins. I think he I think he can be the fourth. 
Okay. But if you have somebody like Will Lutz, I think he accounts for two or three. Because look at the kickers last year. You get four of them. You had to roll through. The Saints had to roll through four of them. And I think if you had Will Lutz, you would have been at 11 wins. Four. That's a strong statement. Wins above replacement four for a kicker. Hey, Justin Tucker <laughs> is the best in the league. No, he is. He is. That's but just an interesting. I, look, let's let's say he does guy. go. You, you let's say he does with... go. To, let's say he does go to the Chargers. Chargers were nine and eight last year. Nine. I mean, if Sean, what two or three wins? As the as the war, <laughs> puts they're, they're puts eleven twelve. And yeah, and better seating, you know, and and it'll be against the AFC West, and we know Sean loves a challenge, so if they can get eleven wins with Sean. Not to mention, Justin Herbert's only going to get better. They have a talented defense with Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on the opposite sides, as well as Derwin James at safety. Kind of fits the MO, right? You know, young quarterback, he gets to kind of go in, mold his offense around. You know, he I, I like the, the type of backs they have there, too, kind of fit Sean's style. But again... What does that roster look like in two years? <laughs> you know, what does this roster look like at the end of this year? So we, we it's a lot of hypotheticals that could change on, on a moment's notice. So to, to say what that roster is going to look like today and what openings are going to be there, there's so many moving parts that need to take place to, to see what's going to happen um, in the offseason to see what Sean is indeed worth. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot can change, you know, and, do, do you get to the point where a team that they're going to fire their coach specifically to get Sean Payton? Probably so. Uh, you know, if a team knows for sure they could get Sean, I, I could see teams moving on from their coach. As you mentioned, if he's worth three to four wins, why not move on from your guy to get a guy that could win you three to four more football games? That's a, I mean, that's a strong, strong statement. You know, I, I think that's always a always a possibility that a team would do that. I don't know how much, uh, you know. How much they're willing to give on top of that. We're going to head out right now back to the game hotline and bring on Jay. Jay, how are you on this Thursday afternoon? No, doing well. Um, I'm hearing the uh, discussion on Sean Payton. Uh, back in the uh, early 2000s, uh, John Gruden was traded for a couple of picks, yeah. a couple of first round picks. I don't know if y'all mentioned that or not. Uh, so I think it, the precedent has been set. Now, I know it's been some years, but. Uh, like your co-host said, you know, I'll, I'll try to get two first rounds out of them. You know, if you want them, if you want them that bad, and you think this man is your next head coach to put you all over the top, it's going to cost you. I think you should try to get two first rounds and maybe a, another draft pick for the next year because I think uh, uh, Oakland was able to get two first round picks, I think, in two seconds. Uh, so, and some money. So, yeah, I'll try to get two first for him. You know, he's uh, like, if y'all saying he's a top five coach, why not? You know, how many wins and is he worth in your opinion? Say that again. How many uh, wins is Sean Payton worth in, in a year? Uh, that's a good question. I don't. Uh, let's put it like this: If he was the coach of the Cowboys, uh, I'd say about two or three. I think uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't play in the first round last year. I think uh, he could have got about you know, yeah, they wouldn't have been playing in the first round. Maybe they had a. Um, well, I'm sorry. They, they changed the whole thing now. Forgot the second round don't have a bye week anymore. Um, maybe three or four. I don't know. And who is that you, worth it? Where do you think he ends up? Oh, I don't even care to be honest with you, man. Uh, is um, 
I don't care. <laughs> but I think that uh, he'll end up in Dallas. You know, if he can uh, handle Jerry Jones, you know, I know that uh, he was in Dallas under Parcells staff, so who knows, man. Uh, I think Dallas. Very good, Jay. I appreciate the call, man. Appreciate Jay calling in and reminding us, you know, what what the president was already set for coach. You know, that's multiple picks, you know, maybe kick some picks down the road as well. Um, I, I know the Saints going to want to get as much bang for their buck. Uh, it just Yeah, it, the the trade, Ralph had also brought it up in between calls. Uh, it was two first, two seconds, and it was $8 million in cash. And that was with John Sheesh. Gruden. And that was a long time ago, right? What, yeah, that was, was that, in 2002. That was, yeah, it was yeah the 2001 offseason one in 2002. Offseason. I mean, does the market change for more now? I think I think point? Sean I think Sean's worth more. So if you can get two firsts, two seconds, and like a fourth, then maybe four, three, four million dollars. I think about the the place the Saints are in bargaining and negotiating with not even a player, a coach that's not even on their staff anymore. That's just under contract that it, they have. They just own the rights to. It's crazy. You own all the chips. You. You bring all the chips to the table at this point, right? Yeah. You're you're usually you're strong the, arming. Yeah. You're you're usually the team that has to overpay for stuff because you're so willing to jump the gun and like try and go get something because you like it. Whereas now you can sit back and just kind of do a bidding where like, hey, who wants some? Hey, I mean, this guy's going for this much. Do you have higher? Do you have a higher bid? You know what I think's gonna happen is very quickly in this season. The uh, uh, teams aren't contending, right? Let's get to week five or six. Teams aren't really contending. Uh, you know, injury bug bites somebody. Hey, do they make the move at that point and start to negotiate at that point? Or do you think we have to wait all the way into the offseason? I don't think you would make a trade in the middle of a season. I also think Sean's not going to make the decision to come back until either the tail end of the playoffs or right after the Super Bowl. I think that's when he will make the decision and be like, hey, I want to come back. I want Because usually the coaching carousel starts right before. Right. Right before. Uh, you know his agent's already kicking the tires, right, to see what his contract would be worth. You know, he, he needs to know what he's going to make. Yeah, you kind of, kind of get it going early before the season even starts. But it's like. They're, you, they're the ones creating this buzz. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the agent's the one out there just creating all the, the storylines. You got to. Make as much money as you can and get your name out there as often as you can. Yeah, it's gonna uh, it's gonna be an interesting, interesting year when it comes to that note. Uh, I, I just, I, it's it's a lot to wrap your mind around, though, right? That somebody that's not not currently coaching, that we knows damn good at what he does, and it's not like he's it's not like he's in his seventies. It's not like no. he's the oldest coach. He's in his early fifties. He's out there just look sitting on the couch right in the house saying, "Hey, y'all want me? Come get me." How? Do you think he's in nego- like not negotiations, but talks with with the Saints front office? Like, hey, I'm thinking about this. This is. I think they've had a couple conversations, but I think the main focus with the Saints right now was working with Dennis Allen, working with Jameis Winston, getting this team together because they are there are some things off the field, whether it's injuries or legal stuff that they have to deal with, whether it's Marcus May coming back from his Achilles or his DUI. And then there's Alvin Kamara with what happened in Las Vegas. She and then there's other there soon, huh? I mean, they they keep pushing it back. I'm wonder. I, I don't think the suspension won't be until at least midseason. 
And that's when the Saints have their tough stretch of seven, eight games. Man, this. But even then, they may not they may not have it because once the season starts, I mean, Kamara's not going to have any time to go to court. So either they settle it or they wait until next offseason whenever the Saints season is over and they start resuming and go to court in February. Very well could happen. Um, I, you know, I, I think that the, the Saints would much prefer it happen early in the season and not during Yeah, let's their, if it's going to be six games, let's do the first six games and then we get them back for Arizona. And just get that over with, right? And yeah. And get ready to, to rock and roll. But that's not how Goodell works. No, no. of course not. Of course not. We like to dilly-dally. <laughs> that we do. <laughs> it, it seems like he just has, you know, uh, infatuation with just trying to screw the Saints each and every way he can. You definitely have that feeling. Oh, man. I enjoyed that. We're going to take a quick break. Won't be too long. We're having a lot of fun right here with this Saints talk, but we're going to switch gears a little bit after the next segment, and we're going to talk some high school football after 5.30, so don't go anywhere. Matt McCullough will join us at 5.30 to talk high school football right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yep. You love listening to sports. Yep. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh boy, you're able to score a new Apple Watch by sending a simple text. That's right, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do is just join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-283-8100. That's GAME to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you will be able to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and so much more. It's the Game Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Right back at it on 1037 The Game. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. I'm Blaine Vietar. Filling in today, having a lot of fun with my main man, James Mesh, behind the glass. James, we haven't even talked about Kayshawn Butte from the Barry. Don and LSU's number seven this year. Definitely worth it. I, I'm excited for him, but to be honest with you, I'm over all that junk. I think the whole number seven, I wear this number thing, that's that's lost his luster for me. That doesn't do it for me. Really? Doesn't get me excited. Wear whatever number you want, just make plays when they turn the lights on. I could care less what number you wear. I, I don't know. It, it. Look, I used to get all jazzed up. Who's going to wear 7? Who's going to wear 18? I think that kind of stuff was, eh. When they put number 7 on Jonathan Giles when he transferred over from Texas Tech, caught like two passes that season, ever since then it's been kind of like, huh, okay. <laughs> or, or it feels like maybe it has well, – I don't know because I was going to say Tyron Matthew felt like after that it just kind of died down. But I felt like – Fournette was definitely worth it, and he was all the hype. And then you also, the only thing was 
DJ Chark getting it. I understand like you didn't have as many playmakers at that time, but it was like, man, I don't know. I, f- I, f- I like DJ Chark, but it didn't feel like he was it was the it, he was necessarily worthy. He was probably the best out of everyone, but it didn't feel like he was worthy enough to get the number seven. Man, DJ Shark was a sneaky good LSU Tiger. Um, he was, but did he make an impact like like Fournette? No, no, and, no, no. Of course, and Stingley. And, he wasn't and the superstar Matthew. that those guys had, but he didn't have the quarterback getting him the football either. Uh, that punt return he had against Auburn, uh, the the year escapes me. That kind of propelled LSU to victory in a game they probably had no business playing in. Auburn was big time favorite. LSU was kind of falling quickly at that point in the season. That kind of switched all the momentum at that point, and uh, that was a big reason why you know LSU was kind of able to have a decent year that year. Um, so you still get you still like that, right? The seven eighteen thing is that I don't still- I don't like anticipate it and wait for my Twitter to update to tell me hey who's number seven or who's going to be number eighteen. But it is a good tradition that I like to see that is continuing even with a new head coach. I'm glad that Brian. Is even though he asked the players, "Hey, do you still want to do it?" The fact that LSU is still doing it, I like it because it still shows, like, hey, especially with someone who is deserving of it, like Keishon Butte, because the man had like it felt like fifty touchdowns in just three games. <laughs> anytime, anytime LSU scored last year, who scored it? Well, more two, likely not Keishon. Yeah, two years ago, the, the back half of his freshman year. Um, yeah. I, the, the Ole Miss game yeah. that year, you know, 300 yards receiving. Are you kidding me? I mean, it felt like they kept running slants over the middle and Kayshawn would, would catch it and then turn that into big gainer after big gainer and touchdown after touchdown. So I, I agree with you. He's a superstar. He's, uh, uh, you know, he, he has a different spring in his step. You can tell when he when he has the football in his hands. It's just, hey, I'm over that. I just want to see the playmakers make plays. It doesn't matter which number they wear as long as they have that LSU on the side of the helmet. It's a fair point to make. I agree. <laughs> It's going to be interesting, though, all the different changes, right? You know, what what everybody's used to seeing LSU do. I mean, is that going to, you know, the the whole experience, where, where that's going to be? I could tell you where they haven't missed a beat, maybe even skipped an extra step, is on the recruiting front. I, we, we talked about it in, in the first hour, um, you know, adding commitment today. Um, out of Georgia, interior offensive line, Paul Mubinga joining the LSU 2023 signing or recruiting class, 6'4", 280 from Buford High School, same high school that produced Vidal Alexander, former LSU offensive lineman and mainstay on the LSU offensive line. That brings the class all the way up to rank number seven. I mean, you're talking about a class that wasn't in the top 25. Not even a few weeks ago, they jumped all the way up inside the top 10 pretty firmly too going out and getting superstars like five-star Jalen Brown a week ago out of Miami and a couple other four stars to join him as well um you know I know that's going to be a big talking point hey talking about Keyshawn Butte Derek Williams down the road you know down 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 90 from the B going to Texas you know everybody up in arms about kids leaving the state Brian Kelly said no problem I'll just go get guys from outside the state and make the difference even Kayshawn wearing the number seven from the same high school as Derek Williams. Derek Williams still wants to go to Texas, to Austin to play for the Longhorns. But we'll talk a little bit more football next segment. Matt McCullough, head coach of the Kid Anna High, Wrecking Rams, is going to join us when we come back on the game hotline as we gear up to turn to fall where football is going to return. We're fired up. We're excited to talk about it with you right after this break 
on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 14th, 2019. Novak Djokovic wins the longest ever Wimbledon final over Roger Federer. 7-6-1-6-7-6-4-6-13-12 in 4 hours 57 minutes. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your day nine blues. How exactly? Once you become a member of our Wars Club, you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to Half Show Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Maple's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so sign up today. Right back into crunch time with Miguez and Mesh on 103.7 The Game. I'm Blaine Vietar, guest hosting today and having a ball with all you folks from the Acadiana area. We're going to head out quickly to the game hotline and bring on Acadiana Wrecking Ram head coach, Matt McCullough. Coach Matt, thanks for joining us today, man. How's it going, man? Good, man. Happy belated birthday. I appreciate it. Well, what what can you guys do at this point in the in the off season? Are you guys just lifting weights? Are you guys picking up the football yet? What's going on so far this summer with the Acadiana High Wrecking Rams? Yeah, we lift on uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. We lift in condition. Um, we do some seven on seven stuff on Tuesdays, and then we'll do a little bit of uh, football related stuff sometimes on Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays after. But yeah. Monday through Thursday, we're lifting and, and doing a little bit of football and conditioning. When do they let you guys strap up the pads finally? Uh, we officially start practice on August 1st, but it's just helmets for the first week, and then pads will be the following week. Well, Acadiana doesn't have to do much of an offensive install. You know, you guys have been running the veer for some time there. Is that something that's just ingrained in those kids once they get there? And is it really hard to kind of train them on that mindset, or are they already pretty prepared for it? Yeah, I mean, we've been doing the uh, same thing for a long time. You know, I mean, it, it, you've always got to get uh, new guys in and, and kind of train them uh, for the offense. But, um, you know, it's, it, it's a process that we've been doing for a long time. So, um you know, the kids kind of get used to it, and, uh, you know, uh, I think it's something that because we've done it a long time, it's a little easier to train the kids uh, to, to be able to do it. And you guys run that veer, but you, correct me if I'm wrong, you're not making those reads on the field, field right? You know, the quarterback is uh, predetermined by you guys on the sideline if he's giving the ball to the fullback or running the option on the outside? Yeah, we can call it both ways. Most of the time we'll, we will predetermine it. Um, they... Um, you know, it allows our guys to hit a little quicker. Um, if if we if we predetermine, it also makes it a little easier on our quarterbacks. Seems like the running backs. You guys just roll them out year after year. They all they all kind of look the same. Little short in stature, hard to tackle. Break break tackles at the line of scrimmage, and the next thing you go, they're up the field. Who who's kind of in line to get the bulk of the carries this year for Acadiana? Well, we got Keevan Williams back, who had uh, got a bunch of carries last year. You know, he rushed like 1,400 yards, uh, scored like 20-some touchdowns. So, you know, of course, he'll get the ball a bunch. But we, we usually have three backs 
uh, sometimes four that rotate. So we've got a couple of juniors, um, Cam Monette and Ezekiel Hippolyte, that's going to uh, going to rotate in. And we may have a few other guys. Babino uh, Kid, Russell, who's going to be out of receiver. He also may play in the uh, backfield. And, and there's been a few young guys that have a chance to uh, get some carries. And, you know, everybody talks about Devere kind of being an older offense and everybody switching up to, to spread type attacks. Um, what what you think makes it successful for you guys, you know, sticking with Devere and able to, to just kind of pound the football and, and pound teams into submission? Well, any, any form of football, I think you got to be pretty good up, up front on both sides of the ball. So, you know, we've been able to do that, be pretty good up on, uh, up front, uh, on the offensive line and defensive line. So, um, you know, I mean, that, that allows you to be successful. And then maybe some, some of those defenses don't see as many um, offenses that run right at you as they have in the past. So that may help a little bit. But just being good up front is, is a key, I think, uh, in any football, but in high school football. Flip, talk about the other side of the football. I mean, a, a year ago, y'all were pretty good defensively. Uh, Latrice Welsh, though, now at LSU. Uh, Walter Bob's gone as well. Is this a, a defense that's going to, uh, you know, just adapt and keep moving forward? Or they got some young pups ready to roll? Yeah, no, I think we got a chance to be good. Um, you know, it may take a little bit of time, but we've got some, some guys that had some experience on the D-line. We've got three linebackers that played a bunch last year coming back. Uh, a couple guys in the secondary. A couple of them are young, but um, athletic guys that have a chance to be really good. So I think we're going to be on good on defense. Um, you know, uh, it may take a little bit of time, um, you know, throughout the season, but I do think we have a chance to be really good on defense as the season goes on. It seems like each and every year, I mean, you know, you just got to pick up the bracket, find out where Acadiana is, and march them all the way down to at least the, the quarterfinals, if not even further. What, what What's the difference for you guys? You know, it seems like other teams get hot for a little while. Acadiana is just able to sustain success for such a long period of time. Well, I mean, I think it's just expectations that we're going to have the opportunity to um, do well in the playoffs and try to get to the state championship. You know, I mean, that's that's the goal, to get there and have a chance to win it. Our kids know that, um, you know, and, we, and we've played pretty well um, in the past in the playoffs. Um, you know, it'll be a little different playoff format this year because we're on the select side, which, um, you know, so you play a few different teams. But, uh, but you know, we've, we've been able to, uh, fortunate to go out there and play well in the playoffs. For a long time. Is that something that you could use kind of as a motivational tool for, for your team? I mean, you know, for so long it's been separated, you know, uh, select versus non-select. Now you get to play some of those other teams that you haven't maybe played in quite some time. Is that a motivating factor? Yeah, I don't know if it's a motivating factor. I mean, our guys um, are up for playing anybody. I think it's, it, it'll be a little different because we get to play some new teams in the playoffs, so it's not a bad thing. Um so, but it'll it'll just be a little different format. I'm not exactly sure who's all going to be in the division or or the class and 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 how many teams will be in the playoffs and all that. I think they they won't they won't finish all that until after some appeals. But uh, but yeah, it'll be different. Get to play some different teams that you normally wouldn't play in the playoffs. Well, Coach Matt, I appreciate you jumping aboard today. I had a great time catching up with you. Best of luck in this season. Hopefully, we could chat down the line. I appreciate. it. Thank you for having me. Take care, Matt. Coach Matt McCullough of Acadiana High School, wrecking Rams, joining us. Hey, look, they're a mainstay when it comes to uh, football, not only in this area, but the entire state. Um, kind of like we're talking with them. You know, you, you get that bracket. You look at it. You say, oh, look, Acadiana's there. I'm just going to go ahead and pencil them in now in the quarters. And that's really when the playoff starts for those guys. Uh, appreciate Matt joining us today and kind of giving us a, a 
peek inside of the Acadiana High program and where they sit going into this 2022 season. Um, look, they're two weeks away from starting their camp on the high school level. I, I know um, there's a lot of teams with uh, some high expectations going into this year, and he mentioned the the whole you know split, select, non-select, and a lot of these public schools now fall under the select side. Uh, I, I talked to a lot of high school coaches, especially the Karen High coaching staff, and I, 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 Coach Matt was kind of the same way. It doesn't really matter <laughs> where you put us. We want to compete at the highest level. We want to play against the best of the best. It, it, you know, Just line the football up, blow the whistle, and let's play ball. Um, it, it's kind of refreshing in a day and age where um, competition, a, a lot of people shy away from it. Not the high school folks around here. They're open to play just about anybody that wants to play against them. So, James, are you starting to feel that excitement in the air? I know we're getting, you know, around that the back half of July camp, you know, for the Saints 12 days away. We're two weeks away from high school starting their camp. SEC media day, uh, what, five days away from today? I, I, look, I, I, I love the anticipation and the excitement going into football season. I don't have the best nose, but I can definitely smell the football. It's right around the corner, and I'm and I can't wait for it. Favorite favorite time of the year. Love it, love it. I look started preparing. I heard you and Matt yesterday talking about fantasy type questions. You know, with running backs, everybody's starting to gear up for their drafts. This time, look, every everybody's zero and zero right now. Everybody's full of, of hope and, and opportunity for their team to make this year be the year. Um, it, it's just it, it's exciting, you know. It, it's it's something that uh, we look forward to each and every year. Um, it's hot right now, right outside. You you don't think about football. That's not yeah. true. We, it still we, feels we, like we, baseball weather. Yeah, but we 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 could taste it. It's getting so close. Football and it, it's interesting. Like I think all the teams in this area have really interesting dynamics. You know, Cajuns new coach, Tigers new coach, Saints new coach. Hey, there's a lot of different expectations all over the map for all these teams. I saw Vegas drop their odds uh, this week for Sun Belt, and you know, outside of App State, UL still way up there. You know, there's a lot of respect for that program and 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 the new coach and, and what Coach Napier was able to build here. Um, no, no different in Baton Rouge. I, I think you know that you get expectations anywhere from ten and two to six and six. So it's a lot of unknowns going into it. Saint same way, you know, without Sean Payton, what, what's going to happen? Jameis Winston, you know, it's going to get a full season with him finally. It, it's a lot of unknowns. What what would you say is the one thing that you're looking most forward to? Um, what question are you looking the most forward to getting answered? For me. I still wonder about the QB situations for both the Tigers and the Cajuns. It's pretty much it's almost a toss up in the air because you think it'd be between Jane Daniels or Miles Brennan, but you can't count out Garrett Nussmeyer. He's a gunslinger. I, I just don't know if they, they bring Daniels in here. He brings such a different element and dynamic to this team. Um uh, I think no matter what he has a role here, you know, there's gonna be packages for him. But like the you know the, the the circumstances that surround a spring game and, and the different rules that they have there, that, that doesn't lend a helping hand to a quarterback like Jaden Daniels, who creates plays by extending plays with his feet. So, you know, if a lot of fans are going off of that spring game and seeing, you know, hey, Nuss is the guy, Nuss is the guy. Hey, pump the brakes on that a little bit. You know, I think Miles Brennan still has a lot to say about it. And I think Jaden Daniels, the wild card who can extend plays, make you pay when you you know get caught peeking in the backfield. He'll light you up over the top. I think that's going to be interesting. And as you mentioned the Cajuns too, though, 
A lot of unknowns about that team, too. A lot of questions to be answered. I think that we're going to find out quickly, though, about the Cajuns, who, you know, who they are. They have a fun schedule. Cajuns' schedule's good time. I think tomorrow you and I are going to do a deeper dive into both LSU and UL's schedule. We didn't get the time today with, with all the Saints talk that we had. But I, I think the, the UL schedule will, will tell us quickly you know, who they are and, and where they're headed. Um, still a lot to like about that team. I know they had a lot of transfers and new regime coming in, but they were able to keep some pieces of that coaching staff familiar, and that's going to go a long way when you you know transition into a new coaching staff. So I, I think the Cajuns are going to have a fun year. And a lot of the changes that they made on the coaching staff, the new ones that they brought in were people that they were familiar with because they were all Cajuns alum. They all played for Louisiana. They know the culture. Yeah, they know what's expected. They know they know what Napier was, you know, bringing in here. They they familiar with the, the landscape of how things happen, and I, I think that's going to go a long way, especially on the recruiting front. But recruiting so different now, right? You know, you, you want to sign big classes, you want to get your guys in, but you have to hold spots for the you know the transfer portal. We we talked about it in the first hour. Um, you know, when, when we had Magnese beat writer on um, with us to talk uh, Magnese about how their roster changed and, and what that meant for uh, what, what that meant for them. I think the same holds true for, for UL and the Tigers as well. Their recruiting class will have to take a, a pause button once you get to a certain number because you're going to want an opportunity to bring established portal players in that can make a more e- immediate impact too. Yeah, they don't want to completely ignore the portal. They want to get at least some in, but I still do know that they have a – a good bit of depth, even though they did lose a lot. Some being drafted, some being undrafted free agents, some transfer transferring, even LSU. But they still got a lot of depth. They still have a lot of the culture there, a lot of the core. And I, I still think this could be a good team. It'll be a little bit of a change, but I, I still see this as a winning season for the Cajuns. Oh, for sure. I, I think the Cajuns could look. They're going to contend for the Sun Belt Championship. I think. I, I think they have that that kind of opportunity. That, that the roster's still deep, as you mentioned. Um, they're going to keep a lot of the same systems in place. So I, I look. I think this is going to be a, a, a team that's that's going to contend. And um, like I said, fun, fun season. Fun, fun season for the Cajuns up ahead. No doubt. I can't wait. Me either. Let's wrap up this segment, but don't go anywhere. We still got one more segment. This show went by so fast. James having so much fun with all you guys in Acadiana today, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We know you love the Houston Astros just as much as we do, so we want to hook you up. Go straight to the website right now. At 1037 Lafayette and 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. And you have a chance to score four tickets. That's right, four tickets. Could bring the whole crew with you. Tickets to, to the game. You get a tour of Minute Maid Park plus hotel accommodations for the Saturday night. That's right. Houston Astros are hosting the Seattle Mariners on Saturday, July 30th. And 1037 The Game wants to hook you up. So make sure you head over to... Again, 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com to sign up in the clubhouse for your chance to win those tickets. And that's powered by Butcher AC. What a time. Houston Astros are red hot. Lost last night, and we talked a little bit about that not long ago, about how the Strohs dropped last night to Shotani and the, the Angels. 12 strikeouts and six innings. Okay, we get it. Astros put out a mediocre lineup in that ball game, but 
They're going to counter with that tonight. First pitch is going to be at 7.07. You can hear that right here on 103.7 The Game. Out of Lafayette. Stroh's going to put their best foot forward tonight, though. For Amber Valdez, the All-Star will take the bump. 8-4 and four with a 2.64 ERA. And Reed Detmer will take the hill tonight for the Angels. 2-3 and three with a 4.22 ERA. Mr. Reed was deadly, though, a week ago. Going six strong, not giving up any runs in his last start. We talked about the Astros lineup last segment, James. And I look, Chaz McCormick batting in the two-hole doesn't give you a whole lot of excitement, right? Astros will put better, better lineup out there tonight. Remember, as I mentioned, Brantley, Yardon Alvarez, both still on the I.L. Tonight, the Astros will bat like this. Altuve leading off with Jeremy Pena. Batting second, the rookie shortstop who was really, really good prior to the injury. A little slow to come back, but hopefully he can get back on track. Alex Bregman will bat in the three-hole, and Kyle Tucker. He's really been kind of the glue that held this team together, even with the injuries. A couple nights ago, when the Astros' bullpen led the Angels back in the ball game, it was Mr. Kyle Tucker. Double at the top of the ninth, driving the winning run for the Astros to win 6-5. to five. Yuli Gurriel, former batting champ a year ago, struggling mightily. Obat fifth. Lemis Diaz coming in tonight at the DH spot. Obat six. Jake Myers plays center field in bat seventh. And Jose Siri back up. Had a good stint, though, with the Space Cowboys down in Sugarland. Hit a walk-off home run night before his call-up. He's back up with the big squad. He'll bat eighth. And everybody's favorite catcher, Machete Martin Maldonado, will come in and bat in the nine-hole. Uh, Martin, two for two last night. James came in here at the break talking trash about Martin Maldonado. Two for two coming in at the bottom of that lineup. Like what he gives you from that defensive spot. Offense still lacking, batting 165. Want to thank everybody for listening in today. A special, special thanks to all of our callers who called in. Had a great time with Jim Gazzalo, who came in from the American Press, as well as Matt McCullough, KDN, a high-wrecking Ram coach. Don't fret. I'll be back tomorrow to close out the week right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.